Next on BYU Sports Nation, Stark Vegas yields another blowout. The Cougars are 1-6. and six. How BYU's in-app play versus the Furious 5 changed the season. Trevor Maddich chimes in on BYU going 0-5 against the Furious 5. And does he believe the Cougars can win six in a row? And do you believe that? Plus, the Kalani Satake take on the offense. It's the truest thing anybody has said this season. Let's go. This is BYU Sports Nation. Brought to you by the BYU Store. Simulcast on BYU TV and BYU Radio. Now, from Studio B, your hosts, Jerem Jordan and Jason Shepard. BYU Sports Nation is live. Your day-to-day play-by-play in Studio B, presented by the BYU Store, the official outfitter of BYU fans everywhere. It is Monday, October 16th. People, I'm Jerem Jordan. Spencer Linton is practicing proper cowbell technique. So I'm joined by professional cow milker, Jason Shepard. Uh, what? <laughs> have you milked a cow before? No! I have milked a cow. Raise your hand if you've milked a cow. Okay, I can't see you. Or... Yeah, but why aren't you raising your hand? Yeah, I, no. It's, Most people have not milked crazy. a cow. Yeah, it's pretty. You ought to do it just once. No, I really like don't. It's a county fair. I don't like to touch bugs. I'm not milking a cow. I was not, I was not that little <laughs> boy that liked to go get, you know, play in the dirt and grab the little... Uh, you know, the potato, but no, 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 It makes you uncomfortable? Is that what you're saying? No, I just, it's just not my thing. It's not your thing. And losing wasn't the thing for your Chiefs until Sunday. Uh, you know what? When First the chi- loss, but it took yeah, six weeks. Yeah, yeah, yeah. When the Chiefs games. lose, I'm very quick to tell people in the pecking order of my favorite teams, the Chiefs are fourth. <laughs> so, <laughs> what are the top three? Uh, Brigham? BYU number one. St. Louis Cardinals. Jazz number two. Oh, yeah, Utah, yes. St. Louis Cardinals number three. Kansas City Chiefs four. That is the pecking order of my fandom. So, so all of a sudden, you play the, I'm not as big a fan as you think. No, no, they've, they're always fourth. Oh, okay. Football's fifth, though, right? <laughs> no. By the way, Virginia, five and one. Yes, they are. I wanted to point that out. There's lots to discuss today. <laughs> not all of it's good. Let's get to it in today's BYU Sports Nation headlines. It's your BYU Sports Nation headlines. BYU football loses 35-10 to Mississippi State Saturday in Starkville, Mississippi. It's the first six-game losing streak since 1968. That's a Sna- long time. Wow. It snaps an 11-year streak of at least one win versus a Power 5 team in a season. We will discuss the role the Furious 5 and uh, going over was later in the program. Kyle Van Oyen led the Patriots with seven tackles and two sacks in a 24-17 victory over the New York Jets. Daniel Sorensen had eight tackles as the Chiefs dropped their first game of the season to the Steelers 19-13. Ziggy Ansah had two tackles and a fumble recovery for the Detroit Lions in a 52-38 loss against the Saints. Michael Davis. Taysom Hill. Yes, yes, absolutely. Michael Davis, although he didn't play. Michael Davis had one tackle for the L.A. Chargers, and Bronson Kafusi had two tackles for the Baltimore Ravens. And my Seahawks didn't lose. They had a bye week. That's true. Seventh-ranked women's volleyball swept Gonzaga Saturday. Who was the number two team in the, in the league? So that shows you the uh, disparity between the top two there. With Ronnie Jones-Perry collecting a match-high 15 kills in the three sets. Cougars hit the road this week. Two matches against Pepperdine and LMU. The BYU men's cross-country team finished first out of 51 teams at the pre-national Invitational. Rory Linklater finished first overall in the 8K. The women's team finished seventh. Therefore, BYU is the pre-national champs? 
Yes. Is that what we can decipher? From I now? think that's exactly when when the the title of the invitational is the pre national. Yeah. When you win it, champ. you are the pre national champs. And Rory Link Letter is the pre national champion as well. That was a that was a big performance by by the way for the BYU men's cross country team. Seventh for the women's really good as well. Rise and shout. It's time for what's trending. You're talking about it, and so are we. It's what's trending on BYU Sports Nation. What the cowbell? Down by B, down goes BYU. 25 in Starkville. To say this was a shock would be not true. Uh, the line was 24 out of Vegas at the time, by the way. 25.1. win. So, hmm. Mm. Cougars were out gained by 370, out possessed by 13 minutes. This wasn't a shocker, given the way the season's played out so far. But it's still disappointing. This is a place where BYU wins football games. Fifth most wins the last 40 years. Longest losing streak since 1968. Everyone's uncomfortable, and they should be. In fact, some people are just straight up mad. Coach Satake, by the way, says BYU struggles in the trenches were the main difference on Saturday. With our inability to stop the run and our inability to run the ball on offense. So in the trenches, we weren't good enough, and we need to find ways to be creative and find ways to make stops. I mean, if we can't uh, get it done up front, we can't get it done on, on, you know, on both sides of the ball. And that's been the case, uh, not just against Mississippi State, but some of the other games against uh, the tougher competition, the, the Furious Five. But BYU loses by 25 against Mississippi State, and it just kind of keeps going, Jason. Yeah, for, from a defensive perspective, Nick Fitzgerald had all day long to do whatever he wanted, and he did. Has there but, been any quarterback that BYU's played that BYU's put legit pressure to and feet to the fire? I don't think so, right? Nah, not that I, honestly, not that comes to mind. But, yeah, I mean, it, like Kalani said, it, it starts right in the trenches. Offensive line, defensive line. That's what they were working on all offseason long was to shore that up so that you could help the other areas um, on, on both sides of the football. And it, it just, like, like he said, it just hasn't materialized. BYU's offensive game plan was interesting, too. Uh, simple throws, quick throws, nothing really down the field. I mean, Matt Bushman was targeted three times, had one catch. Uh, I, I think BYU was trying to simplify the offense to avoid a bunch of mistakes, uh, avoid excessive penalties, avoid turnovers. Unfortunately, BYU turned it over twice anyway, and the Ula Tolu Tau fumble fest continues. Well, and it came That's after a now. turnover when you had really good yes. position. And it stinks because Ula's a good running back. We all we all can see that he's got some talent as yeah. a true freshman. But but was the offense aggressive enough to to actually put BYU in position to win that game? I I don't think so, but I think it's bigger than trying to win at Mississippi State. I think it's trying to just get something going. BYU still doesn't have an identity on offense. Yeah, and I mean, and, and with the fact that you're dealing with seven games in and you're still looking for that identity, and that's something that uh, the coach Satake was talking about last week, that they want to find that identity, and, and it's frustrating for him and the coaches that this far into a season that that's still the case. I mean, when you're talking about the offense, you, Tanner Mangum, everyone wants to pile on the quarterbacks. I mean, it's, it's obviously it's the most high-profile position on the team. Tanner Mangum actually... Pl- Played quite well. He was very efficient. But like of 26. But like you said, like you said, they're just it, they were limiting the gambles. They in in third and long situations they were running the ball. And to Bradenell Bakri, nothing against Bradenell Bakri, but um, you know he's going to hold on to the ball. I think that's why he's in the game, uh, and he's proven to be a good blocker. Uh, but Coach Satake said simple offensive mistakes have held this team back. I don't blame everything on the offense. The defense has to find a way to get out of third downs. Um, but, uh, you know, it's, it's really difficult when you, when, you, uh, when you can't score points and you, and you turn the ball over still. 
Yeah, and you don't create takeaways, too. So, I mean, kind of, is anyone shocked by what happened on Saturday? We, we saw this against uh, a similar thing against LSU and Wisconsin, to a lesser degree, uh, Boise State. But still, you're never really in that game in the second half. I mean, BYU has the, BYU scores a touchdown with the Levahifo. Nice pass play over the yeah, middle. Absolutely touchdown. It was. it was like, I forgot what that looked like. And then Andrew Mickelson, the most tan guy on the team, <laughs> forces the first fumble that Mississippi State has lost this season. They were one of five teams nationally that hadn't lost a fumble, and BYU's like backup or third-string kickoff guy is the guy that forces the fumble. That made me laugh. BYU had a chance to cut it to 11 in yeah. the third quarter, and was like, wait, is BYU in this game? No. Unfortunately, BYU you know, coughs it up uh, soon after that. Miss, you know, makes a field goal, luckily, uh, season uh, career-long, by the way, for Red Allman, 38-yarder. But it's just kind of the same stuff over and over, which, which just stinks. Coach Satake said the mistakes are compounding, but listen more specifically to the end of this bite, for his frustration for the offense is obvious. Just as a snowball effect, you know, of, of, of negative things. And so um, it's just... It's just really difficult. So when our defense isn't playing great um, and our offense hasn't done anything yet this year, then Whoa. it causes problems for us. <laughs> but is he wrong? He said it. Is he wrong? No, he said it. The offense hasn't done anything. Here's the part about that. There was no <laughs> wow. inkling that this was on the horizon. There was the, the no, season. The se- well, the, the season and the I'm speaking specifically about okay. the offense. There was no indication that this was even a possibility not throughout the offseason not through fall camp in fact it was just the opposite yes. as we've talked about earlier in the season about not translating from fall camp and practice to on the field this offense looked really really good in fall camp and that's what Kalani was talking about earlier in the season that was so confusing to him was why can it look so good there but yet not translate that's what has is confusing, I think, to everybody. If there was an inkling that this was possible, maybe you can deal with it better. But this has come out of nowhere. Let's talk about fall camp, okay? I remember, uh, you know, being on this uh, pulpit, if you will, and talking about how the offense was looking good. I think you can evaluate passing better than rushing in practice, by the way. Okay? Rushing, you don't actually see the guy tackled and breaking tackles. Passing... Uh, the, yes, there's a limit to the pressure on the quarterback a little bit, but you see the you know Tanner Mangum under center dropping back, throwing the ball catches. That's easier to evaluate than a dude in shorts running into a pile of people somehow emerging and then running down the sideline for a 50 yard gain when it was clear that it was like a two yard gain probably. So in our evaluation of fall camp, the pass game was working. That's the one that I have a question about. But guess what? If you can't run the rock, you ain't doing jack squat. On offense, and BYU can't run the ball right now. Three point eight yards per play, and then per rush, one point seven against Mississippi State. BYU doesn't have a run game. That guy they thought was Ula Tolotel, but he's fumbled it, so they can't keep giving him the ball. So all of a sudden, Braden Elbakri is your leading rusher in Game Seven of the season. Five carries, twenty yards, with a long of seven. Speaking of Braden Elbakri, that tells me everything I need to know with. Where, where are all these guys? He's the fullback. Yeah. He's going to hold on to the ball, so he gets the rock. Yeah, well, I mean, you've got, to, you've got to limit the mistakes, as we've talked about, and if that means you give it to guys who aren't going to fumble it, then that's just the way it is. I just don't want it to happen on third and nine. 
I don't want to see Braden Elbakri running the ball on third and nine unless you're inside your own 30 and you're just playing field position. Yeah, listen. When you're at midfield or you just got a turnover, where's the aggression? Well, Braden Elbakri, after the game, he had some pretty pointed comments. He, he says this team is lacking in a few things, but he wants to make sure that that changes this week. We had big opportunities that we missed, whether by a lack of one eleventh of execution or lack of time or lack of knowledge. Something that can be fixed, and I, I'm going to try to make it so that everybody knows exactly what they're doing this week because I, I can't lose again. Why, why is this Braden Elbakri being the one to say these words? You know what I mean? It, I, Look, he, he's the one that said it, but you know for a fact that there's others that feel this way. Sure. I just I want to play a soundbite from a captain down when you've lost six in a row. That that's who I want to hear from. You know what I mean? Braden Elbakri is not the guy to get. Like on our crew, when representing this show, we're not. We're, you or I sh- or the producer should be talking about what's going to change, right? Not the random uh, crew member. Sorry, random crew member. <laughs> you know who you are. I'm just kidding. <laughs> we're all in this together as a team, but we the faces of the team should be speaking for the team in that moment. Braden, I'm not like Braden Elbakri needs to play better for BYU to win. No, you know who needs to play better for but, BYU. But to what win. you can hear in that soundbite, it, it was—I hear disappointment. It was right to the point that when he said, "I can't lose another game," like, th- like enough is enough. Yes, they are so tired of losing. Yes, they just can't deal with it anymore. Now the schedule eases up for sure. It doesn't mean BYU is just going to win every game, though. What have they shown you that makes you think that they're going to win every game? Our Twitter question, by the way, is what's your headline for BYU football today? Use the hashtag BYUSN at YFangirl underscore JB. Six in a row loss turns into six in a row win now. That is the hope. It is quite irrational, but that is the hope for BYU football. Use the hashtag BYUSN. Keep the tweets coming on Twitter. How about this? At David uh, Fiso, it's always darkest before the dawn. The Cougars will be bowl eligible. I'll shave my head on the show if they aren't. Now, is, is David's head already shorn? That's the I don't know. I, I've, I've met David is, before, but cheap. I can't remember. <laughs> yeah, I, I can't remember. Coming up, how BYU's performance against the Furious Five completely changed the season. It really did. And does ESPN's Trevor Maddox think BYU can win six straight? And how much did the top ten shake up with four top ten teams losing? We will ask him. This is BYU Sports Nation. BYU Sports Nation is presented by the BYU Store, the official outfitter of BYU fans everywhere. Welcome back. We're simulcast on BYU TV and BYU Radio. The conversation is happening right now on Twitter. People use the hashtag BYUSN and follow at BYU Sports Nation. Tomorrow, Super Tuesday on BYU TV starts at 6 p.m. Eastern time with the BYU Sports Nation replay. After that, after further review, 7 p.m. Eastern. And then it's BYU football with Kalani Satake, 8 p.m. Eastern time. All of it tomorrow, Super Tuesday on BYU TV. Still searching for answers. They may get answered. Who knows? Tomorrow night. Our Twitter question, what is your headline for BYU football today? <sighs> Lots of headlines. Use the hashtag BYUSN at Kent underscore in underscore uh, Utah. BYU favored by a touchdown over ECU. I like it. Now, the line opened at 7.5. It it's down to like 5.5. That means people think ECU uh, can cover that. That's what that means. I think people just want to make money. 
And there's that. Uh, now joining us on the Deseret First Credit Union Hotline is a man who gives us answers every week. Let's see what he has this week. His name's Trevor Maddich. He works for ESPN, the former BYU offensive lineman and NFL offensive lineman. Trevor, what is up, my brother? Hey, how's it going? I, I, I'm, uh, I am befuddled and, and confused and frustrated, but happy nonetheless. Yeah, uh, BYU with a six-game losing streak at this point. Uh, we'll talk about that more in a sec. But was there anything that surprised you against Mississippi State and BYU's twenty-five point loss? Nope, not really. It, it, you figured that this would be about like it was. Uh, I figured that the BYU offense wouldn't really go anywhere. I figured there'd be adjustments by Ty Detmer, and he did. He, he, he moved pieces around the chessboard. Problem is, he has too many pawns and. You know, no queens and no rooks. So, you know, it's it's just not working out. But he's trying. You can see some of those things happening. You knew that the running attack of Mississippi State would eventually wear down BYU's defense and frustrate them. And I don't, I don't mind as a human being that BYU's defense kind of got frustrated in this game and it looked like they, they realized they didn't have a chance. They were just the, the whole thing just didn't work out well. You know, the thing I like best is that the kicker forced to fumble. That's good. You know, so, you know, you have a, a physical bell cow now. Uh, and uh, Nice reference that, given Mississippi State. Um, what's that? Nice reference. Bell cow, Mississippi State, cowbells. Yeah, see, yeah, like cowbells. See I that? like it. Yeah. See, we, we, we do things like that on this show. <laughs> but, but really, you know, this game was kind of the final one in this, this horrible stretch of, of opening games. Um, and it's been a perfect storm, and now it's over. So we start season number two. BYU has not lost six in a row since back in 1968. Obviously, it's been a very long time. And realizing that there are a lot of things that have gone into this, I ask you, what do you believe is the biggest reason why the Cougars are in this situation right now? The offense. The offense has been horrible. The, they haven't been able to, to get a running game going at all. Their downfield passing game is non-existent, and anything approaching a rhythmic passing game, even short or medium depth, uh, is not there. This offense has shifted a little bit from last year where they were still working on more of a running quarterback with Taysom and, and pounding the ball with Jamal Williams, the greatest running back that's ever been at BYU. It's kind of really simple to, to run a college system there with the run-pass options and the uh, the zone reads and all the various things that, that you generally do when you have that kind of personnel. Now they're trying to get into a, a, a different phase of it, and they're not able to get it executed. And that's the biggest reason that everything is faltering. I mean, they can't move the ball. They are turning it over way too much. They're putting their defense in terrible situations, forcing them to defend way too many plays, and the dominoes that fall because of all that are predictable. ESPN's Trevor Maddich is on BYU Sports Nation. Fans are trying to figure out where on the wheel of blame to point a finger the most. I don't think that really matters, but I do think about the reasons why BYU is 1-6. Um, what, what are some of the main reasons, in your opinion, that BYU is 1-6 outside of the offense? I mean, specifically like youth, injury, schedule, play calling, so on. Yeah, well, schedule is one we, we looked at. The BYU would have to be playing at a very high level in order to be competitive in the first half of the season. And so we knew that. Um, and in, in order to be competitive, keep this in mind, this is Ty Detmer's second year there, but it really feels like it's his first because of, of the nature now of the personnel shift and moving more towards the pro-style offense that he wants to get on the field. And that takes time to develop. 
You don't just say, okay, we're going to go with a pro-style offense. We're going to go out there and execute it at a high level. It's going to be like, you know, the, the 1983 San Francisco 49ers with Joe Montana. Now, it takes time. Now, once you get it going, it rolls. But I expected it to go a lot faster. This year I thought they would see a semblance of the passing game working well because Detmer knows how to put people in position. And you see people in position. I mean, you see receivers that are open that the quarterbacks don't hit. You see receivers that should be open if they had to run better routes. And so they're not. Then you see the quarterback not trusting the receivers. And then you see all kinds of dominoes that fall. But really, when you point a finger of blame, I, I think at the offense, and you want to get very specific about it, I don't think you can – you can blame the play calling. I don't think you can blame the scheme. They don't have the, the players right now to run the same scheme that they had last year anyway. So I think for people that say that they should have stayed with the whole zone read quarterback run concept, they don't have the guys to do that. So they have to move into this new pro style. And the, the blame is on the fact that there's no indication when you watch this game on tape that there's any kind of, of predictable rhythm passing going on. It's all the quarterback drops back, he looks and sees somebody that appears to be open, and he throws the ball that way. And that is not an offense. That's playground. Tanner Mangum was actually quite efficient in the game. I think the biggest surprise was that he didn't throw the ball more against Mississippi State. But with all that being said, do you, do you think BYU should mix it up at quarterback? Um, I think the best guy for what they have now is Bo Hodge. And he's not available yet because of, uh, because of injury. I, the reason I think so is not necessarily that he's the better quarterback than Tanner Mangum is, but I think that because everything is not clicking right now with the rhythm passing game, Bo Hodge has more of a spark with his ability to run and create on the move. And I think that's what they need right now. So it's really a matter of, of fitting the quarterback with the situation around him than it is putting two quarterbacks out there and deciding who wins the battle. And so, you know, I, I think we start there. I think Tanner Megum is, is a guy that's very, very talented. And it's, it's easy to point a finger at him. Certainly, I think he has not performed like I expected him to perform. But let's go back to reasons why all this is happening. Normally, you get some cupcakes in order to, to early in the season in order to get started with an offense, to get out of first gear, to be able to, to get a rhythm going, to string together some long drives, get some first downs, let the play calling get into a rhythm, you know, run the ball, run the ball, play action, throw the ball deep down the field, bubble screen, first down, run the ball again, play action on second and, and three. You know, these are the kinds of things that a play caller really needs that Ty Detmer has not had available to him, and that's limited what he's been able to do in terms of calling plays. A lot of that has to do with the schedule because the schedule that they've played has maximized every single little deficiency and turned it into a tsunami of deficiencies. And so I think, you know, when, when you put all that together, it looks a whole lot worse than it really should look if the schedule is an independent this year didn't turn out to be so brutal early in the season. Now, I'm not saying that, it's not, that BYU is, is an innocent victim here. You know, there's a lot of things they could have done better, and they've made a lot of unforced errors. But those unforced errors that are expected and predictable in really what amounts to the first year of this kind of an offense were made far, far worse because of the nature of that schedule. And, it, and that's when I say it's a perfect storm. You know, it's just a perfect storm that conspired against BYU's offense this year, and they were, you know, they they had a little tiny umbrella to try to keep the rain out, and it didn't work. 
ESPN's Trevor Maddich is on BYU Sports Nation. BYU 1-6. Now they have six uh, regular season games remaining. Should the Cougars win the next six? And I can barely say that without smiling. Uh, because it's irrational to think that a team that loses six will just all of a sudden win six. Should the Cougars win six, they'll be bowl eligible. So now it becomes a matter of each week can BYU keep that going. Do you think BYU can win the next six games? They have the ability to win the next six games, yes. Now, I would like to see them score a touchdown against East Carolina. You know, I mean, how about baby steps, right? Let, let's drive the ball, score a touchdown, and then rinse and repeat. But, yes, they have the ability to do it because we talk about the nature of that first, uh, the first half of the season. And people always point to the Utah State game. They say, yeah, well, Utah State, Utah State. Yeah, well, BYU was a, a turnover monster against Utah State. And keep in mind that before Bo Hodge got hurt, they were moving the ball. They looked like an offense that they hadn't looked like all season. And then, bang, the quarterback that's, that's providing that spark goes out with injury, and everything reverts back to just abject horribleness. Well, that's over now. Now we start the second part of the season. And really, what, I, what I'm doing as I look at this is I'm wiping the slate clean. I'm saying, okay, that first part of the season is, uh, was a bad dream. I've woken up. Uh, I'm, you know, all sweaty and scared and trembling and thinking it was real. And then I realize it's not real. It was just a dream. Now, they're 0-0, zero and zero, and they've got the rest of the season in front of them. And that's how I'm judging them. So you ask, can they win those six games? Yes, they can. But first I want to see them drive the field in an efficient drive against East Carolina and score one touchdown. If they can do that, then I'll think they, can, they have a chance to go on and do some good things. Trevor, I'll take that question one step further. Do you believe BYU will be bowl eligible this season? I do. I do. They've got to win five games coming up, and the teams that they face, um, for the most part, they're, they're, they're really struggling. I mean, East Carolina right now is 1-6. San Jose State is 1-7. Fresno State's actually looking better than, than I thought they would be. But Fresno State's the only team that they face now that currently has a winning record of 4-2. and two. So they've got to win five games. In order to get to bowl eligibility, six would be better. But I think they can do it. But really, as, as you look at that goal, I think right now uh, what they need as a goal is much more short-term. The fans are miserable. The players are miserable. The coaches, the whole, the whole, the whole dark cloud surrounding the program right now is just one of just abject misery. And, you know, I think, I think winning one game, will help to flip that. If they win a second game in a row, that'll help to flip that. And really what I would like to see for these players, especially for the seniors, is just a better experience than they've had because they, they're working hard. Nobody's quitting. They're working like crazy. I'd like to see them win out and make a bowl game. But right now I just want to see them just have a little joy. Absolutely. And there was uh, no joy in Mudville for four top 10 teams uh, losing over the weekend. So now who are your updated top four teams in college football, Trevor? Well, my updated top four teams have, uh, have shifted around a little bit, haven't they? Just because of the nature of, uh, uh, you know, four top, teams, four top 10 teams lose. Uh, I still got to have Alabama at number one. Number two for me is really hard because it's between Georgia and Penn State. I think Penn State's offense is more balanced than Georgia, but Georgia's defense is a little better. Um, so given what we, we're seeing right now, I would put Georgia at number two, Penn State at number three, and TCU at number four. Now, uh, Ohio State, I think, is, is probably 
the from a power ranking standpoint, the best team, the fourth best team. They have been lights out the last three games. I mean, their offense has been phenomenal. Their defense has played very well. Uh, but I want to see them do it against a little bit better competition than they faced the last three games before I'll put them up there in the top four. Okay, good stuff. Trevor Maddox, we appreciate the time. We'll talk to you next week. All right, thanks, you guys. And, and just, just it's, it's forget the first part of the season. Just forget it. It was a dream. It was a bad dream. The Redskins are, or excuse me, the, the Cougars are 0-0, zero and zero, and that's the way to look at it. I like the way you think, Trevor. All right. That's Trevor Maddich on the Deseret First Credit Union Hotline. Deseret First, your values, your timeline, your financial future. I like the, uh, the idea of breaking up the season. It's, it is hard to forget the first seven, though. Let's be honest. But, Even if BYU wins the next six. Hey, Trevor believes BYU will be in a bowl this year. He thinks they will be bowl eligible. They certainly can do it. Um, it's just whether BYU is going to pull that off. That's, I mean, I mean, each week it's like must win. And I don't. I don't. Oh, it actually, literally, is you must need to win. win. I'm not for... using "must win." You know how I feel about the phrase "must win." But World, it is. World War II was a must win. <laughs> Beating ECU, not on the same level. It really wasn't. Our Twitter question: What's your headline for BYU football today? Use the hashtag #BYUSN. Keep those coming. Coming up, did seventh-ranked BYU women's volleyball take down the second-best team in the conference? And we take a look back at the Furious Five and how it changed the entire complexion of the 2017 season. This is BYU Sports News. BYU Sports Nation is brought to you in part by Tecano's Brazilian Grill. Escape the ordinary. More pineapple, please. Welcome back, Jerem Jordan and Jason Shepard in Radio Vision Live on BYU Radio and BYU TV. We're also on demand anytime, anywhere, people. Uh, the bacon-wrapped turkey, by the way, is my favorite. Mm. You cannot go wrong with that. Tune in to BYU Football's Facebook Live broadcast of today's BYU Football Press Conference with Kalani Sataki and the players. You can tune in at 1.10 p.m. Eastern Time. Let's refresh today's BYU Sports Nation headlines, starting with BYU Football. The Cougars lose 35-10 to Mississippi State Saturday. I don't have a fever, and I don't need more cowbell. It's the first six-game losing streak since 1968 for Brigham and snaps an 11-year streak of at least one win versus a Power 5 team in a season. Kyle Vannoy led the New England Patriots with seven tackles and two sacks in a 24-17 victory over the New York Jets. Daniel Sorensen had eight tackles as the Kansas City Chiefs dropped their first game of the season to Pittsburgh 19-13. Sorry, Jason. Eh, eh, we, luckily, everybody else in the division lost, too, so we're fine. <laughs> Ezekiel Ansa uh, had two tackles and a fumble recovery for the Detroit Lions uh, as the Lions lost against the New Orleans Saints 52-38. Michael Davis had a tackle for the L.A. Chargers, and Bronson Kafusi had two tackles for the Baltimore. More Ravens. Seventh-ranked women's volleyball swept Gonzaga Saturday with Ronnie Jones-Perry collecting a match high of 15 kills. Cougars hit the road this week for two matches against Pepperdine and LMU. And this just in, Mary Lake was just named the West Coast Conference Player of the Week, and she was on the show last week. Not a coincidence. Mm. Karma. There we go. The BYU men's cross-country team finished first out of 51 teams at the pre-national invitational. Rory Linkletter finished first overall in the 8K, and the women's team finished seventh before the season we dubbed the five toughest games on the schedule the say it out loud with me furious five they were too furious to be handled for brigham as the cougars went 0-5 we expected at least two and three no worse than one and four in this BYU goes 0-5 and it changes the entire season to recap in order lsu 27 nothing utah 19-13 Wisconsin, 40-6. to 6. 
Boise State, a.k.a. Donkey Teeth, 24-7. <laughs> and the Fighting Cowbells of Stark Vegas on Saturday, 35-10. to It isn't just that BYU lost these five. It's that they weren't even competitive, which brings us to a stinky stat of the day. It's the BYU Sports Nation stat of the day. I honestly did the math like six times just to make sure this was right. <laughs> BYU lost by an average of 21.8 points against Furious 5 opponents. I didn't think there was any way BYU would lose all five. And, and let, by, let alone that. Yes. That. The, losing by 22? The Wow. The closeness of the final score against Utah really saved that. Well, it was 16 to nothing. Yeah. BYU had some offense in that quarter in the fourth with Ula Tolutau and Tradai and still lost, 19-13. And that was the close one. Do you feel any better because it was Utah? I do not. BYU goes 0-1-5 in that, and it changes the entire complexion of the season. Now we're not talking about 8-9-10 wins. We're talking about bowl eligibility, which right now, as it stands, isn't likely. It isn't likely that BYU wins six in a row. I think they can pull it off. I won't be shocked if BYU wins the next six. Of course they can A lot of those teams stink. In In fact, four of the six really stink. But the fact that BYU stinks itself doesn't help right now. Uh, ECU this Saturday, and that's and that's what matters. But there is this sentiment among the fan base that there's something else around the corner that they can look forward to. Hit it. Countdown to the oh, Delta whoa, Devils. Whoa, whoa. Okay. Let's start that over. You got to give me a warning on that. You're the producer. You're in the control room. <laughs> All right, hit it. Countdown to the Delta Devils. 26 days. There we go. <laughs> Listen, we did it right. That's all that matters, okay? 26 days away. And hey, the Cougar tip-off is next week. I was going to say, just like the first seven games for BYU, we're just getting rid of that one. We're focusing on the next six, just like the second countdown. You can't just get rid of bad memories. <laughs> they always exist. You mean there's not that technology to erase? them. Like, will you ever forget the BYU went 1-6 in 2017? Here's the deal. I'm giving you the power to erase one of the games. Which game are you erasing? Which game am I erasing? The technology exists to it erase one of those it games. Doesn't, this doesn't no, 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 no. matter. You have to answer. Oh, man, which one are you erasing? Pick. Yes, you have to pick. You have to pick. Which one are you erasing? Utah? Yeah, that's the one. That's the one. I don't know. But, but I still have LSU and Wisconsin and Mississippi State where it's like, ugh, not even close. Boise State wasn't even competitive. Boise State? <laughs> I can understand Wisconsin and LSU. I can even understand Mississippi State, even though BYU won this game in double OT last year. You know who the real MVPs are in Provo right now? Taysom Hill and Jamal Williams. <laughs> <laughs> Holy shnikes. You lose those two guys and you're like, Six-game losing streak and losing by 22 to Power 5 competition? Wow. This is... The real MVPs. Well, yeah, I mean, but, but here's, the, here's what... When you look at what is ahead of BYU, as we've said... Are you saying this season? This, I'm talking season? about this season. Okay. I'm talking okay. about the last six games. Yes, yes. The strength of schedule significantly decreases, okay? Agreed. There, there is going to be opportunities... But can, what can you learn about the team, though, against the last six games? Are you going to learn more 
versus the first seven games or more from the last six? This is a great rhetorical, unanswerable question. Because what, what was 2010, okay? On the heels of 2009, you bring in the chosen one, the Anakin Skywalker, Jake Heaps. Well, he turned out to be Darth Vader after all, okay? And that didn't work out. BYU starts one and four. They fire the defensive coordinator. They win six of the last seven or whatever. They get to a bowl game. They blow out UTEP, which is the largest margin of victory in a bowl game. And it felt like BYU was building towards something, and it felt good. I wouldn't say it felt great, but it felt good. I was on the field after that game. It was good. Cody Hoffman was playing good ball. Uh, Josh Quezada was running the ball effectively. He ends up transferring. Jake Keeps ends up not being the guy. 2011, BYU actually bounced back the next year and, and won 10 games and finished ranked. The, the schedule wasn't great, so it lended itself to more wins. But the back six, I think if BYU wins the back six, it will feel good winning. Absolutely it will There feel will be good. good moments. There will be good offense. Well, there will be takeaways. But there will be a bowl game. That not, would feel good. Not only will it feel good to win those six, but it will feel absolutely fantastic to play in the Foster Farms Bowl against Stanford, <laughs> according to Jerry Palm. Yeah, because Jerry Palm's crushed it with BYU <laughs> in your I past. mean, it's he's set in been, stone. Yeah, BYU fans think he's anti. Well, he's been right with what if Jerry Palm is right and BYU is in the Foster Farms Bowl against Stanford? Dude, Stanford's a good team. You saw Stanford. I watched Stanford in person this year. You saw the the, don't call me the Cardinals Cardinal. (laughs) Yes, I did. Use the hashtag BYUSN. Weigh in on today's Twitter question, which is this: What is your headline for BYU football today? Let's go to the Twitter machine. You got tweets. At Y for Life, BYU football lost at sea, search party efforts discontinued. No. No, come on. Oh, no, stop. The back six, they'll find themselves at some, uh, a little bit. BYU's winning at least four of the next six, if not all six, okay? At Casey Jackman, be patient and trust the system. Is that a 76ers trust the process tweet? Possibly. It possibly is. At Mark L. McCune, lost to Mississippi State is by fewer points than lost to LSU. That's a moral victory. Thank you. Coming up, an update on Harvey Longy and his wife following their car accident over the weekend. Now, that was serious. Yes, it was. Luckily, it sounds like they're okay. That could be really bad. Plus, your tweets. What's your headline after the weekend? This is BYU Sports Nation. BYU Sports Nation is presented by the BYU Store, the official outfitter of BYU fans everywhere. That's right. Jerem Jordan and Jason Shepard live from Studio B with your day-to-day BYU Sports play-by-play. Watch our daily rebroadcast weeknights on BYU TV at 6 Eastern time if you miss the morning show. Listen to the Coordinator's Corner today at 2 p.m. Eastern time on BYU Radio. It's hosted by Greg Rubel. Get the latest from Elisa Tuiaki and Ed Lamb from 2 until 3 Eastern time on BYU Radio. Our Twitter question today, what is your headline for BYU football today at CL underscore living? 2017 remembered for natural disasters, fires, hurricanes, earthquakes, floods, and BYU football. I would not put those in the same category at all. Those are serious. This is sports. This is sports. Okay, this just in. We are 13 days out from BYU and San Jose State in Provo, so we have the TV and time information, and here it is. Saturday, October 28th, San Jose State at BYU. Kickoff at 3 Eastern time, 1 Mountain time, live on BYU TV, simulcast, on ESPN3 and the Watch ESPN app. Countdown to kickoff live at 2 p.m. Eastern time. So we get the game uh, for San Jose State. We also have 
Uh, UMass coming up, so BYU TV will have that. That will be simulcast as well on ESPN3 and the Watch ESPN app. Another afternoon home game. Now, there have been a lot of those, um, and, and some people have said, man, is BYU ready in the morning? Yes, BYU practices in the mornings. Like, they lift at 6 a.m. They are ready yeah, in the that's morning. Yeah, that's not an issue at all. In the past, it was like, are you playing late at night? Are you ready for that? I don't when – you, when you're 18 to, in the case of BYU, 24, it's not as big an issue. The people that ask those questions are like you and I or older that are like, <laughs> I have a hard time getting ready physically to you know move around at early – whatever. Yeah, These play, guys are fine. Playing Mississippi State at 10 a.m. Mountain Time – on the weekend, had nothing to do with anything. Had uh, nothing to do with anything. Yeah, it may sway a, a, like a play or two, whatever. I don't even think that. Yeah. Kalani Satakia said he'd prefer to play in the morning. Well, like you said, they, yeah. they practice. They get up at 6 a.m. to go work out yeah. and practice. So this is not anything that's new. So another, another cool afternoon uh, broadcast. They're not in the afternoons anymore. Did, Guy I, did is I tell happy you? up in heaven. I, I am, I'm, a, I'm about 98.7% sure that that guy's son was my uh, eighth grade U.S. history teacher. That is super random. No, I think and so. amazing. Like I'm pretty sure. I think they were sitting next to each other. I was there at that. I was told. I was told that that gentleman. Okay, if you don't know the story, let's talk about it. Big Blue Bash. I want to say six to eight years ago. No, it wasn't even that long. It was like four years ago. Four years ago, uh, an older gentleman asked Bronco Mendenhall <laughs> with the mic. They're not in the afternoon anymore. In reference to the games, okay? All Remember? the games being in the evening. Yes, okay? He passed away, I was told, a year or two ago. Maybe I'm off on that. Um, I He's probably happy about it because there have been a lot of afternoon games, which I actually prefer the afternoon games. I don't know about you guys. Our Twitter question, what is your headline for BYU football today? Let's go to the Twitter machine. Tweet, tweet. At D Strokes Eleven, vote for Joe Critchlow. Now that now that is a question that we're not asking right now, but we will ask this week. Should BYU mix it up at quarterback? Let me give you this nugget: BYU uh, is or Tanner Mangum's ten and one versus non-power five teams. Zero and seven versus power five teams. Are you more or less likely to want to start him Saturday? Look, we'll discuss that. Yeah, I, I don't. At, I don't at length later. Yes, I don't. I don't see how you make that change right now. I, I, really? Yeah, I mean. Okay, okay. Yeah, I, I mean, I don't, I would not expect, that's just my own personal opinion. I would not expect that. The, the offense is going so well, you need to stick with it. <laughs> I, I, yeah, I just, I don't Ch- think. Change needs to happen, just where? Yeah, I, I would not expect that to happen, but we will see. Yeah. At Twiggy or Stone, it can only get better from here, question mark. <laughs> <laughs> Looking at the schedule, there are at least, uh, they at least should be a few wins. Get some experience for next year. I, We're already listen, to the just prepare for next year. <laughs> listen, uh, I've said this before on this uh, on this hour long program. The future is so overrated. Again, let me just let me correct you. The future and any change is always Stop. positive. It's not. Why is it positive? <laughs> it's, it's whatever you want to make it. Okay. Um, <laughs> BYU has six games left. The point of BYU football right now is not 2018. It is to get to a bowl game. It is to beat East Carolina. It's to beat East Carolina. That is the number that one the priority. And the, and the medium picture look is to get to a bowl game, okay? Because getting to a bowl game is a sign that you at least had, in most cases, a winning record. And that's something. The goal? I know it's not a lot. 
The goal, the only goal, is to get to the 51st state in the United States, East Carolina, and win on Saturday. <laughs> I thought that was Puerto Rico. They're not officially a state. They're a territory, correct? Yeah. Fine. 52nd state. The 50, yeah. What would be the 51st state? Well, it'd be is Puerto, it Puerto Rico. Rico. It would yeah. be Puerto Rico. It should be Puerto Rico. Fine. 52nd yeah. state. At Twigger Stone. No, no, no. We just read that one. District At, of Columbia, does that mix in? <laughs> yeah, wait a minute. At CP30 Blue. Headline, in an effort to be more competitive, BYU football returns to the Mountain West Conference. No. Okay. Stop it. Any fan that brings up the return to the Mountain West Conference, you just don't understand what is all going on here, okay? That, you don't divorce someone and then go get remarried to them, unless your name's Marie Osmond. At Melman Mark, BYU goes one and six. In related news, water is still wet. True fact of truth. I don't even know what to say about that one. It is true. Uh, at Grizzfather, a whole new season starts today, one game at a time. One point for the cliche. Uh, <laughs> it is true what uh, Trevor Maddich said. Listen, BYU's one and six. They've kind of. I, I see a distinct difference, and we ca- we uh, categorize this preseason between the first seven games and the last six. Okay, BYU didn't have twelve games; they had thirteen. So that was kind of the the middle of the season threshold. There, the, you're one and six. These last six. It is a different season. It is a different goal. It is a different mindset. You're playing group of five teams. Tanner Mangum's been traditionally really good against them. The one loss he's had in his career as a starter is Boise State right. a few weeks ago, okay? I don't think there's a team on there as good as uh, Boise State or even Utah State. No, but, but the coaches and, and those within the program, they don't want to just be good against the the. G5s. True, but that's where you're at. No, I understand that. The the goal is to be competitive with whoever you play. That is where Kalani Satake and these coaches want to get this program. So using the excuse that, well, it was against this, they want to compete with them. They want to win. They don't want to just... We want them to compete. Yeah, they don't just want (laughs) to be competitive against the non-P5s. Yes, and and BYU fans almost... That's the goal. Almost get offended. When you say that BYU is not a Power 5 team, BYU is not in a Power 5 conference. They're a Power 5 schedule equivalent, okay? Coming up, how did Daniel Sorensen do with the now not undefeated? Wait, who wrote this? Kansas City Chiefs. <laughs> hey, come on now. Plus an update on Harvey Longy. Luckily, he's doing okay. This is BYU Sports Nation. BYU Sports Nation is brought to you in part by DexterLaw.com for help when you need it most. Thanks to our guest today, Trevor Maddich. If you've missed any of today's show, download the podcast on iTunes or Google Play. Future guests include Blaine Fowler, Greg Rubel, Brian Billick, and Dennis Pitta. Jerem? Let's whip it. Thank you. It's time for the Cougar Whip Around Football. BYU lost 35-10 to to Mississippi State over the weekend. It's the first six-game losing streak since 1968. It also snaps an 11-year streak of at least one win versus a Power 5 team in a season. Cougars in the NFL. Kyle Van Oy led the Patriots with seven tackles and two sacks in the 24-17 victory over the Jets. Daniel Sorensen had eight tackles as the Chiefs dropped their first game of the season to the Steelers, 1913. Ziggy, Ezekiel Anta, two tackles and a fumble recovery for the Detroit Lions and a 14-point loss to the Saints. What up, Taysom? Michael Davis had a tackle for the Chargers. Bronson Fusi had two tackles for the Ravens. 
Volleyball. Seventh-ranked women's volleyball swept Gonzaga on Saturday. Ronnie Jones-Perry collecting a match-high 15 kills for the Cougars. BYU will hit the road this week for two matches against Pepperdine and LMU. And based on the success of the Cougars this weekend and her dose of BYU Sports Nation karma, Mary Lake was named the WCC Player of the Week. Lake had 40 digs in two matches, plus two assists and an ace last week. She is very good. Cross country. The men's cross country team finished first out of 51 teams at the pre-national invitational. So BYU is the pre-national champions. Rory Linkletter finished first in the AK. That's a big-time performance. The women's team finished seventh, which was also a good uh, performance. Soccer. Ashley Hatch and the North Carolina Courage lost one to nil to the Portland Thorns in the NWSL Championship on Saturday. Cougars overseas. Kalani Purcell and the Melbourne Boomers beat the Capitals 92-63. Purcell ended the night, four points, three boards, three assists in 25 minutes. Also, Jen Hampson helped the Sydney Uni Flames beat the Rangers, not the hockey team, 70-65, scored 11 points, eight boards in 28 minutes. Brandon Davies had 15 points and seven rebounds in a Zalgiris win, I'm going to say. Zalgiris, question mark. Eric Mika had 14 points and nine rebounds in a uh, Pissarro loss. Today's Rise and Challenge is brought to you by Dexter and Dexter, helping you need the most. DexterLaw.com. It goes to the men's cross country team. This team will compete for the national championship in a few weeks here because they're already the pre national champs, as we highlighted. Congratulations. Congratulations to them. Yeah, keep it going. There's a lot of talent on that team. Our Twitter question What is your headline for BYU football today at Doc underscore JMO? Sad season slogs on, but reason for hope. On horizon, nice double alliteration there. That was nice. That, that actually that did well, sound like a headline. Yeah, well cogitated. It's a little long, but yeah, it's good. Uh, by the way, an update on Harvey Longy. We mentioned that Harvey Longy of the New England Patriots, former BYU Cougar, and his wife Cassie were involved in a serious five-vehicle crash on Friday. Both Harvey and his wife were taken to the hospital and later released. Cassie Longy tweeted out. Thanks to everyone for the love and support. We are both focused on recovering from this. Lungy did not play for the Patriots on Sunday. If you saw pictures of the cars, it looked very scary. So it's good to hear that they're doing uh, good enough, which is great. Our elite tweet of the day, at Jaker Kemp. Dawn of the dead. BYU football looking to rise from the grave over the last half of the season. That is true. Not bad. Conversation continuing 24-7 on Twitter. Use the hashtag BYUSN. The show always on demand, BYUSN.com. For Jason, I'm Jam. Shout out to Bob Lake. No known relation to Mary. BYU Sports Nation is back at it tomorrow at noon Eastern time, people.